What's up, guys? Welcome back to Dedicated to Growth, and I am so happy to have you guys here. It is either the beginning of 2022 when I'm posting this or right before, so welcome to the new year. And today I have a very good friend of mine, someone I actually lived with, with a, for a year, um, and her name is Devin Moretti. And Devin is an absolutely amazing coach online, a coach like what I do, but a little bit different that helps her clients heal their relationship with food and their bodies, work on self-confidence, self-love, and just feel confident as fuck with their lifestyle and their body and their mindset and in the bedroom. So we're going to talk about all of that today. Um, And we're also going to talk a little bit about her story, what got her into coaching, how she transitioned out of the fitness industry, passionate about what she does. So Debbie, I'm excited. So excited to have you on and yeah, we are pumped to talk about everything today and I know that you love to get deep. So why don't we start off and dig a little bit deeper into your background. So tell me a little bit about young Devin. What were you like in like middle school, high school? What was your family life like? And we'll just dive in. Hello. Hello, my little ray of sunshine. Um <laughs> I'm obsessed with Sarah and yes we did live together for a year and she is just like the most positive human being I have ever met still to this day and just like the wittiest sweet soul ever and I'm just making me cry (laughs) we haven't even started (laughs) I'm just so excited to be here and I'm so happy you started a podcast I'm pumped for you you and I'm excited Um, to talk about you yeah. 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 And I loved, I called Sarah last night and I was like, what are we going to talk about? And all about you, Devin. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm excited. So, and, and I like, like the questions about my childhood. Cause that's not usually the questions usually just like how I started right away. Um, and so I think that, that that's a really important question because that dramatically kind of plays into how I got into what I do because as a child, Oh my God, like, where do I begin? We can start off by saying that I have always been very rebellious and um, I am the only child between my mother and my father. And then they were never married. I was, (laughs) we could say, quote, an accident, but not so much an accident. And um, then my parents both got married and then they had kids with their partners and because of that, I was always going back and forth between my mom and my dad's. And so as a child, you, you internalize everything. And I felt like the black sheep and like the one that never really belonged. But <clears throat> that has just kind of been a reoccurring pattern in my life of like, I don't belong here. I am like the odd one out. I am the, the rebel. I am the one that is just so, (laughs) so their own person. And for so long, that was something that I had a lot of issues with of just kind of, you know, you internalize that you feel like you don't belong. And like our core need as a human being is to feel like we belong. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to really appreciate that about myself. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. You know how they they say that like the most successful people are the people who felt the most isolated generally in their childhood because you have to learn to kind of be a survivor to like rely on yourself instead of relying on validation from others. Totally, totally. Yeah. And like, 
you know, growing up, I, because of that, you know, I was very shy. Um, I, oh my God, if you know Devin now, like that is the most, <laughs> opposite. I would never have guessed that ever. Yeah. I honestly grew out of it because of personal training, because you're forced to, um, communicate with your clients and put yourself out there. But prior to that, I was just so shy. I was always in my shell. Um, I, you know, was not only feeling like I didn't belong in, in my family because I was going back and forth and like go to my mom's house and my, and my sisters and, and my brother would all like have their thing. And then I go back to my dad's house and my brothers would have their thing. And I just like, oh, I was like tossed between. Um, and then I went to a Catholic school and I was slut shamed because I was the first to like make out with boys. <laughs> and I was like, I remember, you know, if you follow me, you know that I dress very, very slutty. And wow. I've always been that way. And when I went to a Catholic school, you have to wear a uniform. Oh my God. And I would like roll up my skirt <laughs> and I would like button down like the button top and I'd always get sent to the principal's office. Oh my God. Um, Did they ever, I remember they would call my parents into school in like middle school and yeah. like make them bring a change of clothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, because I had a uniform, they're just like, you need to put your skirt at normal length. Or they would call my mom and tell her that she needs to get me longer skirts. <laughs> um, oh, God. And then I ended up going to a public school. So it's like I went from a Catholic school to a public school. And everybody already had their, like, their friend group. So I was just, like, the odd one out. And then, you know, in high school, I was the only one, like, dating somebody that was in college. And that just kind of... Um, a lot of people had things to say about that. And then I also went to a uh, high school with people who were relatively wealthy and my family was well off, but we did not, you know, make not on that a ton of money like they did. And I yeah. drove my little Nissan Altima while everyone else had their Mercedes <laughs> and BMWs and I'd get made fun of, which is insane Aww. to me. Oh, absolutely. Um, now it's and, insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that car, too. It lasted forever. <laughs> um, and then I was the only one that didn't go or didn't plan to go to college. And I went to college for I ended up going to college. I went to a community college first semester. And then I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> so like, yeah. I was just constantly like rebelling, always the odd one out. And then that has just kind of become one of the things that I greatly and deeply appreciate about myself <laughs> to the point yeah. where it's like, Ooh, I fit in. How do I stand out? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so crazy. I mean, there's so many parallels with kind of your experience. Like I didn't go to Catholic school, but I definitely mm -hmm. like, I was the one who developed boobs really early, like at Same. a young age. And then you start wearing the same clothes as everyone else, but instead you're slut shamed for it when your body yeah. is just kind of shaped a little bit differently. And I think as a, I mean, I don't know if you experienced this, but as like, how old were we in like eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, probably like 13, 14, 15 years old. And you're already being called like a slut for getting mm -hmm. guys, boys attention. And mm -hmm. I was the same as you. I always had older boyfriends. So I think that having that judgment from other people at such a young age, you kind of either have to take one or the other, like either you love the validation and you kind of go with it, which I definitely did in high school. Mm -hmm. And then- or you kind of isolate yourself and you're like, screw everyone. You're being mean to me. So I'm going to like, screw you and do my own thing. You mm -hmm. know? And, mm -hmm. But that individuality now is what makes you, what makes people so attracted to you as like a human and a coach. And 
because you're different, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I got, I got, I started getting boobs in fifth grade and I was so embarrassed. I was like, mom, I'm not wearing a bra. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh yeah. Like my, the bra rebellion started early because I don't wear bras now, as you know. No Um, one in California wears bras. Bras are, they don't don't exist here. Why would we do that? (laughs) And then in, in sixth, in sixth grade was when I like started. And I remember like some, like my, my boyfriend, but we weren't, we weren't boyfriend, girlfriend yet, but he like pulled my bra strap and I was so embarrassed that I cried because I was the only one that had boobs <laughs> oh no that's traumatizing when you're in like fifth grade yeah. and you're around like all of your peers too like that is traumatizing yeah yeah totally oh, that's so um, hard so so what got you so I know you struggled with an eating disorder as well mm-hmm. just like I did mm-hmm. so kind of tell me a little bit about that and then what got you into fitness yeah um, so my eating disorder and my body dysmorphic beliefs and perception of myself just started very, very early. I remember like, <laughs> I can remember this vividly of like going into the pantry at my dad's house and like analyzing like the calories on the, and on something. Mm-hmm. And my stepmom was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you don't need to worry about that. Um, And it just kind of prolonged from there and exacerbated from there because I just became hyper, hyper aware of my body. Um, And a lot of that just has to do with obviously our culture and my upbringing and and what was modeled to me by my grandma, by my mom, by my stepmom. And it's not their faults because they're all um, they all learn the same things that we do. And especially back then, the culture was even way, 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 way worse than it still is. Um, And when you see it being modeled to you of like them constantly analyzing their bodies and putting an importance on beauty and looking a certain way um, and being health obsessed or binge eating all the time um, or constantly being on a diet and then falling off, like as a child, you just learn that that's normal. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of fell into that role. And for so long, I, I didn't realize that it was an eating disorder. I just kind of thought, oh, this is, this is just what women do, right? Well, like, this is what adults do. They yeah. just don't eat. <laughs> yeah. And oh my God, I like in high school, it was really bad. Like I would try not to eat. Yeah. Um, or there was like a period of time when I was eating baby food. Oh my, my mom God. caught me, like I bought diet pills and she was pissed. Um and I was, and granted, I was so fucking small, like tiny. Yeah. And then it was in eleventh or twelfth grade when one of my friends, her and I, kind of enabled each other. She came across this blog and she sent it to me. She was like, "I think we have eating disorders." Oh my god! And I read, I read this blog and I was like, "Wait, this is like me to a T." So that was like my first realization of like, oh, okay, like this is not normal. <laughs> this is an yeah. actual issue. This is a disorder. Do you think um, that your mom or that your family kind of <laughs> recognized that too? Um, yes, yes and no. My dad my dad was always hyper concerned. My dad was always just like very cautious because like anything I was doing, like I went vegetarian or vegan and vegan for a while and mm. um <laughs> I, at the time, was just, like, justifying it. It wasn't for the right reasons. But my dad knew that it was was for the wrong reasons. And he would berate me for it. But 
I would just like shut down and cry. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so it's like, cause he just didn't know he wanted to help, but he just didn't know how. And then, um, yeah, like my mom was somewhat aware, but like they, I think that too, they just didn't really know how to help me. Um, right. and then I, it eventually, like I started to get better where I was eating food. I, I, just became health obsessed and had orthorexia. And so Mm -hmm. that's easier, way easier to justify. Um, So much easier. Sadly, it is. It is way, way more common. Um, And people, you might not even know that you're doing it as a justification to cover up that restriction. Like Mm -hmm. people, people might just be doing it out of the, the sheer obsessive part of it where you're constantly Mm -hmm. doing that research. Like, what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? What's healthy? What's Mm -hmm. not? And that's where it gets so toxic. But I'm sure your family recognized it. They just, again, like you said, didn't know how to handle it. Oh, my God. Yeah, they didn't. Um, And when I graduated high school, that's when it, it during during my last year of high school, it started to improve. Um, but it wasn't until like after high school, I started to be really, really interested in fitness and nutrition because, you know, you go from orthorexia and that's just when you become health obsessed. So I was just Mm -hmm. wanting to learn and acquire all the knowledge in regards to fitness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as I kind of started to eat more and like immerse myself in strength training, I eventually found powerlifting. And that's when it just kind of started to shift from there. Now, for a long while, I didn't want to give up my eating disorder because it was just what was comfortable to me. And I was so, so, so afraid of gaining weight. Um, But as I kind of immersed myself into more body positive places and started to view movement as a way to like strengthen my body and to see what it could do, which was like a great stepping stone. Um, That's when things, yeah, just really started to shift. And I started to eat to fuel my body. I started to really like going to the gym, not to change my body, but to see how strong I could get. And then it just kind of continued to heal from there. Um, And really just kind of immersing myself around people that would talk openly about their eating disorders. Um, and as I was recovering, like, I, I started to be less health obsessed. Um, mm-hmm. And the, 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 th- the hardest thing for me to overcome was my binging. And gotcha. what was super helpful to me was obviously, like, not labeling foods as good or bad. Um, but I, for a month, told myself that I had to eat a donut every single day. First of all, like donuts, I was obsessed with them. I wanted to eat them every day. So I was like, okay, what's a food that I'm really afraid to eat every day and I'm going to eat that every single day. And what was so funny um, and such like an epiphany moment to me is that like shifted so much. Like, first of all, within that month, I decided no more following any any fitness people, any, anybody Mm. in the nutrition space just for a month. That was really hard, but I was like, let's just see how that shifts things for me. Well, I was also going to ask, cause like social media obviously got pretty big, like Instagram started getting bigger when we were in high school. So that was kind of the time that Instagram and like fitness influencers started to get bigger. So how do you think, do you think that kind of played a role in both the yeah and the recovery part yeah yeah I think that 
it can have its positive impacts and it can have its negative impacts. And that's up for everyone to decide on their own. And I just wanted to see, like, it felt like it was mostly positive, but I wanted to see how I would shift my relationship with my body just for a month if I unfollowed everybody and just had a different relationship with it. And it helped tremendously. And then I started to integrate and bring people back that I really loved. And and now like it doesn't trigger me at all. Um, But for that time being, especially when I was really fragile, that was essential. And then, you know, I ate a donut every single day. Sometimes I would eat two or three. Um, But for the most part, it really taught me how to be how to have moderation, how to just like have this abundant mentality with food of like, I can have this now and I'm going to have it again tomorrow. Um, And when you are constantly like restricted dieting and then binging, your weight fluctuates a lot. And so what was so wild to me during that month was my weight wasn't fluctuating and I actually was like the lean, leanest and stronger, the strongest yeah. I've ever been. Yeah. Um, so it just, which kind of- is what happens when you start to, again, kind of fuel your body correctly. Yes. And, <laughs> and you might yes. not even have known what you were doing also. Oh no, you know? I had no idea. I just wanted to stop binging. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's kind of amazing truthfully that you were able to do that without getting help like without going into eating disorder treatment Mm -hmm. at the time Mm -hmm. like now I think it's much more widely known that like treatment is accessible and available for you um but then it might not have felt like that especially as a teenager yeah I I didn't realize that that was like accessible to me nor um was that something that like at the time I financially could could do for myself because um I just like was not making enough to like be able to provide for myself in that way um, at that time. And I wish to that if it was possible that that was something that I would have done for myself, though, or would have talked to my mom about because I know that she would have supported me because that would have just like speeded up my recovery so much. And I think that's something that we tend to do is we try to teach like I was lucky to have a lot of mentors and people around me to help me um, and constantly immersing myself in places. But yeah, I I think that's how did that you find how we, did you find those like the mentors and like those positive influences yeah. in your life? Yeah, I mean, it started with that blog. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. then I and like I found more body positive people from that place. I also mm-hmm. told my friend I had an eating disorder, and so she became really supportive to my healing. Um, and then I I actually met a guy who. So how old just were you? Shifted everything for me, and he yeah, was yeah. He was Let's just super helpful in that. To that, but yeah. um, when how old were you when you did when you like kind of got started working on food? I started like seeking out mentorship and more positive influences. Were you like eighteen, nineteen? Yeah, eighteen, okay. nineteen. It was okay. like and then and then you met this guy. Tell me yeah. about it. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of when I I was I started personal training. Um, and I started dating and I ended a relationship after, so I, I as I said, I, I dated somebody in high school that was in college and that was a four year relationship. And then when that ended, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like I, I have to go into the dating world now. How do I do that? Like you don't meet pe- people based off proximity anymore of school. Um, so 
I ended up meeting this guy eventually through, uh, was it? I can't remember if it was Tinder or Bumble. <laughs> it was like when the dating apps were like firstly first like big. becoming something. I'm pretty sure it was Tinder. Um, and him and I dated for like a year and a half, but he was really helpful because I would open up to him about my relationship with my body and my relationship with food. And I would give a lot of credit to him because of just the help that he's been able to just support me through. And so I'm really, really grateful to have had that. But again, I think that sometimes when we're healing, we're like, no, I can do it on my own. And like Instagram has so much, like people share so much beautiful content, but it does not impact us the same way as working with somebody one-on-one. And just like having appropriate support too, because sometimes people, can you hear that lawnmower in the background? A little bit, but it's not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. TV is so loud. Um, Let me go in my room and see if it's more quiet. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. No, but I also wanted to ask. So obviously you felt very comfortable with this guy, but Tell us a little bit about how you were able to open up because I think a lot of women struggle. I mean, most women I know struggle with their body image or Mm. negative thoughts about themselves and really struggle more so with opening up to their partner, especially to men, I think. Like, obviously, with this perception of masculinity, it's super – some men have a lot harder of a time being vulnerable, but obviously they feel a lot of the same things that women do. So how were you able to really open up to this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, I feel like he was able to kind of pick up on it because I remember like one time we just got done working out and we, he wanted to go to this like restaurant and I'm like, well, they don't have their macros on the menu. Like <laughs> they don't have their, their like nutrition yep. info. Oh yeah. And he's like, Devin, the the whole reason for flexible dieting is to be flexible and that like it was just like that simple sentence that kind of like just shifted things from from me for me and from there I would just kind of open up slowly and slowly um especially when we would have sex I was like hey like I feel really uncomfortable about this but in regards to opening up to your partner, I, you know, I think it's important sometimes when we share things that are vulnerable or just embarrassing for us to start the conversation saying that so that that person has the awareness that you're coming to Mm -hmm. them with really vulnerable information of like, hey, I really want to open up to you about something that I don't share a lot. And it's really vulnerable and hard for me to talk about. So I would appreciate if you could just hear me. And kind of going from there and I think when we start the conversation that way it just kind of changes the way that they receive it and it changes it just allows you to feel a little bit more at ease as well yeah like effective communication is obviously like one of the most important things in any relationship but especially Mm -hmm. if you're struggling with something I think when it comes to I mean your physical appearance or how you feel in your own skin or about yourself like I think it's important for your partner to know that like it's going to strengthen your relationship too. And that doesn't mean that it's easy, but okay. Fast forwarding a tiny bit, just because it kind of goes along with this. Devin Mm -hmm. has a course called sex with, is it a course or an ebook? A course called sex with a life. So yeah. So both it's the, there's the ebook that you can download to get like a taste of what the course is like. 
Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So Devin wrote this amazing ebook slash course. If you mm-hmm. obviously you can check it out on her Instagram, which will be linked. But I think what one of my questions that I had for later on was kind of like what inspired you to write that because it's yeah. not something that you just like that's not something you just see like no other coaches have anything like that so tell me a little bit about that yeah so it's called sex with the lights on and as as I kind of so as we haven't gotten too much into it but I was a personal trainer for a five six years and I transitioned into body image coaching but there was definitely a transition period Um, And in between that transition period, I was trying to move more into body image. And I wanted to talk about things that I felt like no one was really discussing. And I'm the type of person where it's like, let's get fucking uncomfortable and talk about the things that no (laughs) one's talking about. Let's talk about everything taboo, everything that's unsaid. And one of the conversations that would frequently come up with my clients is feeling comfortable in their bodies in the bedroom and so I decided I was like you know I don't feel like a lot of people talk about that so let's talk about sex and let's specifically talk about it through the lens of body image um and it started off of just like I just want to put something out there for people and it was received really well I had 4,000 downloads within the first week um And then from there, I decided like people just loved it. And they loved that I talked about it. They still do. Obviously, I can't talk about it nearly as much because Instagram likes to censor everybody. Um, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I decided from there to just kind of like create and extend the experience by creating the course. And and that's just been really beautiful. Um, And it's just kind of allowed me to talk about other things that I really like to talk about, which I love to talk about sex. Um, Don't, I don't, I, there was a point in my career when I was like, Hmm, do I want to be like a sexpert? And I kind of explored it a little bit, but I realized that body image is my heart and soul Mm -hmm. and what I'm most passionate about. And so when I talk about sex, happily, we'll talk about it in the terms of body image. But when it comes to going down that whole rabbit hole of being a sexpert, that's just not where I am right now. So it was yeah. nice to kind of explore it and discover that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I for... like it to be fun. Yeah, no, and it should be fun. I mean, I think that exploring your own body confidence, self image, I think when as you get older, and you get more, I'm trying to word this correctly, Mm -hmm. as you get more in tune with yourself and want to explore more things in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. um, body image and how you feel about yourself becomes even more important. Because in order to really like be able to let go and be able Mm -hmm. to be present, you have to be confident in yourself truly Mm -hmm. if you do. Mm -hmm. Because if you're always just in your head and thinking about how you look, you're never going to be able to be present. And I think it was living with you and being around you was super eye-opening for me because <laughs> truly like I always talked about sex with my girlfriends like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a closed off person never have been but I think being around someone who's so open like it's super refreshing like that's mm-hmm. why uh, sex podcasts and people who do these like open kind of girl chat type of things they get so much interaction because mm-hmm some people don't have the accessibility or the best friend or the people around them that are so Mm -hmm. open. So like Mm -hmm. your Instagram page and other people's Instagram pages that do kind of 
make these topics less taboo Mm -hmm. and more just like fun and open is really amazing Mm -hmm. and I guess okay wait what is your top so if you could say like one piece of advice to a girl who like struggles with getting naked or having sex with the lights on in front of their partner uh what would like one piece of advice be Mm-hmm. Um, one, so I'm going to give a couple. So okay. because one, it's so, it's so personal and there's so many different things that come into play. And, um, my first piece of advice is to meet your, I think a lot of the time we put pressure. I actually just recently had a DM conversation about this. I think we put pressure on ourselves of like, we're supposed to like get it the apartment all vibey and then like do this whole strip tease and strip show. And it's like, we're not really meeting ourselves where we're at. And that's like a large jump. That's a big stretch. Um, So meeting yourself where you're at and maybe, maybe that is just buying sexy lingerie where you just have to pull your underwear down and you can fuck (laughs) instead of feeling like you have to be super, super comfortable, bare skinned immediately. Um, So finding ways that you can meet yourself where you're at. Uh, the second thing is your breath is really powerful at helping you ground in the present moment. Um, it can also intensify the experience in a really orgasmic, pleasurable way. Um, but it also allows you to just kind of get out of your head because I know that that's the issue that tends to arise is we are constantly fixated on how we look like, does my partner find me attractive or my roles are going to show or my cellulite or mm-hmm. the hair Um, And so really just kind of grounding yourself in the present and focusing on your breath, focusing on how you feel, focus on the way that you're being touched, the way that you're being kissed, how it feels to be caressed. Um, So really just kind of focusing in on the physical sensations in your breath can be helpful. And then the third thing is I think that we would do a hell of a lot more in our lifetime if we told ourselves that we didn't have to be confident in order to do it. Mm. And so knowing that the other thing is like confidence comes from practice from it's like a byproduct of action so we get more confident as we do the thing it's like when we go to the gym for the first time we're intimidated we're scared and then once we consistently go we build that confidence we get more familiar with the environment we've had more exposure to it and so we feel more confident at it the same thing with the bedroom the more that we um open ourselves up to it the more that that confidence is going to come through absolutely oh my god I love all of those tips and I I think they're all 100% on point I was also going to say to add on to the the first thing you said mm-hmm. about like the expectation you have of like getting your apartment perfect and setting mm-hmm. your mood and having the candles like sex is messy like it's not oh, always yeah. going to be picture perfect like so things are going to happen there's going to be awkward moments sometimes especially if it's like the first couple times you have sex with someone and mm. you you can't go into it with an idea of perfection because I promise you it's not going to happen no. yeah like it, it's just not and mm-hmm. anyone who is an adult and is sexually active in their life knows that mm-hmm. and I think that there is such a perfectionistic mindset when it comes to literally everything, like how you look, how you dress, um, your outfit in the gym, your makeup, like, and those are expectations we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that does have to do with social media sometimes, but Mm -hmm. especially in the bedroom, all that really matters is like you and the person you're with or you and yourself, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever you're into, um, (laughs) being present with each other and, Mm -hmm being able to communicate and be in the moment. So I think that's super powerful. So obviously any of you guys listening, go check out Devin's 
course and ebooks after the lights on it'll be on her instagram bio i'm assuming Mm -hmm, it is um and then going off of that so devin got into the fitness industry so you became a personal trainer and then what got you out of the fitness industry Mm -hmm. um yeah so i was a i was a personal trainer for quite some time in the gym and then i transitioned online And because of my history with my body image and my eating disorder, as a personal trainer, I'm sure you see it. You just see how many women struggle with disordered Mm -hmm. eating, with eating disorders, with body image. And I started to integrate some practices and tools for my clients and just coaching in a different way that would lead them to have a healthier relationship with movement, with food, with their body, and kept slowly, slowly transitioning. And Mm. I would say it was 2019 when I fully transitioned into body image coaching. Um, Because for a while, it was, I would pair it with that of like, hey, I'm your personal trainer, but we're also going to focus on improving your body image. Um, And eventually I was just like, no, I want to do this full time. Now, obviously, um, the work that I do now is I still, I write programs for people. Um, but the coaching is a little different. It's, it's way, 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 way more focused on your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your body, um, and everything that kind of keeps you from having a harmonious intuitive relationship with it. So we focus on movement. We focus on food. Um, and building healthier habits, but <clears throat> at the core of it, it's really just kind of building this self-expressed, beautiful, truest version of yourself and coming back home to yourself. Oh, I love that. And actually, mm-hmm. I mean, we, I think we lived together the year that you transitioned fully, yeah. Yeah, fully into it. And I think, I mean, there's so many coaches in the industry, right? Like there's mm-hmm. fitness coaches, nutrition coaches, dietitians, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. body image mindsets, working on self-confidence. Like I think it's usually kind of a byproduct of some of those things. And obviously there's some really, really not great coaches in the industry that do mm-hmm. still have such a restrictive and like really bad approach to fitness. Totally. But I think what Devin does is really amazing. And I'll, I'll tell you guys why. I think that if you are very in the social media world, you'll see that there's kind of this like split perception of like the, uh, what is it? Body Body positivity versus fitness culture. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think it needs to be like that. I I think Devin kind of agrees with me because I don't think that losing weight means that you need to hate yourself. I don't think that gaining weight or gaining muscle means that you hate yourself either. I think that or that you let yourself go. (laughs) Exactly. Like I think both of those things are a byproduct Mm -hmm. of your habits and how you treat yourself and your lifestyle. And no matter what your goal is, whether you have no physical goal at all, like body positivity is something that everybody needs, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, though, is I think that there's a lot of nuances to the conversation. And I think that people immediately will see something and assume like that's what it means. Like I had somebody slide into my DMs of like, why do you use filters? That isn't self-love, babe. And I'm like, oh, well, what makes you think that using filters means that I don't love myself? And they didn't respond because it throws them off. Because the thing is, there's so many nuances to the conversation. You can change your body and still love your body. You can want to put on makeup and still be a uh, body positive or like a feminist or whatever, you know, whatever the, the whole story is. 
Um, and the other thing is like, there's extremes with both. There's people in the fitness industry and, and diet culture that take things to the extreme and it's really unhealthy. And then the same thing in the body love community where they just go all the way to the other side. Um, and, and, and also they're not realizing that when you're running away from, from the opposite, it still has a hold on you. So I think there's that juicy middle and kind of discovering what's best for you and what works for you and what, what it means to do the things that you're doing. And, and that no one can really um, tell you what that means outside of yourself. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And like you said, that juicy middle that, you know, quote unquote mm-hmm. balance that literally every influencer ever talks about. Mm-hmm. Like the extremes, I think when people are scrolling through Instagram and they see someone be like, I hate fitness coaches or you're not part of body positivity. The extremes are mm-hmm. what like pull people in, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a sexy like tagline or slogan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so <clears throat> prominent, especially mm-hmm. on social media. But I also mm-hmm. think it can be really damaging and make people feel isolated or that they can't be a part of either one of those quote unquote groups. When in fact, I think that's why what Devin does is so awesome because it does kind of incorporate both because moving your mm-hmm. body is healthy. Like it shouldn't, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be torture. It really mm-hmm. shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding, it's finding ways to build a loving relationship with those things um, and allowing them to be what they're meant to be. Like they're meant to be fun. They're meant to be enjoyable. They're meant to be pleasurable. They're meant to be a way to lead you at home to your body. Did you, when you transitioned out of fitness coaching, do you feel like anyone in your life or like, did you receive any judgment from people or was everyone just really supportive of it? Um, Everyone was very supportive of the body image. When it came to me (laughs) talking about sex, releasing sex with the lights on, that's a whole different shenanigan. Like, (laughs) that's a whole, that's a whole different beast. I, I did receive um, more criticism and judgment. Um, I, I did have like mostly my friends in Ohio, like that did just not agree with it. And like, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Like this is like, just going on or like, that's inappropriate. That's embarrassing. Um, oh my God. and I've had people in my family even say like, you're a disgrace to the family, oh. but I just know like that is, that's, one, like, I don't like to say that that's their, um, I don't like to say that's the generation because I feel like a lot of the time people say that as a way to justify it, but I can understand that's where it's coming from. And I can right. understand that it's very, you know, my family is very religious. And so that kind of plays into it. Um, and, eventually, and maybe they just don't feel comfortable because they're yeah, not they don't. informed they don't. enough. Right. And, you know, they're all about their image. So that, you know, plays into that. Um, So eventually we just gotten to a point where now they just don't ask. And that's that's the boundary of like, we're just not going to talk about it because I'm going to keep doing it and you don't have to accept it. But that's what I'm going to do. And I don't want to hear you say anything about it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I know you're super close with parts of your family members. So Mm -hmm. does that do you still kind of struggle with the fact that you don't feel accepted or is it something you've kind of been able to work through yourself? Yeah. Um, I, my father and I didn't talk for seven years and in 2020, (laughs) I decided to rekindle the relationship. And so that has been in the, in the making the process um, of us repairing and remending our relationship. And 
again, we just, we just don't talk about it. Like we talked about it the first time we had our like first phone call and he just expressed that he were, that he worries and, and why he worries, but he's just not going to say anything. Um, and that side of the family just chooses not to engage with my social media platforms, which I feel like is best. Um, the other side of my family though, my mom is supportive for the most part. Um, and then my grandma like doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Dude, I love your grandma. Your grandma is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Devin's yeah. grandma is so funny. Yeah, but she's I she's on my stories. Like there's a there's a whole uh, story highlight of Debbie Day. <laughs> she is so funny. And I mean, I know that's obviously been a big process. And I think that it's hard. I think a question I get asked all the time is like, how did you move away from your family? Like, how mm-hmm. did you move across the country from them? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's always kind of a weirdly hard question for me because obviously I love my family. You love your mm-hmm. family too, mm-hmm. but I don't feel any sort of attachment to being close no. in proximity to them. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I think so many people just don't understand that, but I think your relationship with your family is, everyone has a different relationship with their family and you have to Mm -hmm. kind of figure that out for yourself and accept that. And Devin and I have both (laughs) been to therapy in our lives. Mm -hmm. I've been multiple times. And I think when you can start to really work through those things and understand, that's why I asked about your childhood to start off because Mm -hmm. as again, if you've ever been to therapy, that's probably like one of the first couple sessions you're going to talk about your childhood because Mm -hmm. everything is connected. It really is. And once you dig deeper into it, that's kind of some the like themes and patterns in your life. You'll see Mm -hmm. generally going to be themes and patterns from your parents' life. A lot of the Mm -hmm. time so much until you recognize it and kind of grow out of it. And I mean, with where Devin's at right now, like you have truly come so far. And I think that's one of the amazing things about social media is you can kind of see that transition throughout yeah. the years. Mm-hmm. And do you struggle at all with like bad body image or lacking self-confidence or how do you manage that now? Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I struggle with body image anymore. Now there are definitely days when I wake up and I'm like, yeah, that's just how I look, I guess. <laughs> like there are days when I'm just like, or like I feel physically uncomfortable in my body, but it doesn't affect me in the way that it used to. I don't spiral. I don't engage in like disordered patterns. Um, I'm just like, this is just how I feel. I think body neutrality has been a huge help in that of just like being neutral about how you feel and, and the way that you look. Um, yeah. And I just have the tools in my toolbox to, help me on the days when I'm just not feeling super great. Um, as far mm-hmm. as confidence goes, that that's the thing about confidence is it's not just like this thing that we always are. It is something that ebbs and flows. And I definitely have my days when I don't feel extra confident. I think that my mental health can definitely play a massive part in that. Um, yeah. But I also think that my definition of confidence is a little different where it's not that you're going to be this extra outgoing, like bold human being who is so perfect and has the perfect this and the perfect that and like (laughs) doesn't stumble. My definition of confidence is somebody who understands that they're an imperfect human being and that they're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. They're, they're not going to look perfect. They're not going to be perfect and they're okay with all of that. Um, And so I think that there are days when I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling like particularly extra confident today 
but I'm also okay with the fact that that's how I feel today. So yeah. I think that, that that's kind of my, my relationship with it. Um, yeah. And I, and again, I think that my mental health sometimes plays a, a massive role into that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think everything you said is absolutely spot on. I mean, if anyone struggles with mental health, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. eating disorders, like they can definitely relate to that. I know I can. And I think I kind of can relate to where you're at right now. Like, obviously, everybody has those days where they just don't feel so hot in their own skin. Like, mm-hmm. we all we all know what that feels like. Or maybe you're going to get your period. And so you're bloated and holding mm-hmm. on to more water or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And you come to a place, body neutrality is a great word. I like, mm-hmm. don't even think I've ever heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that. And I think it's really important, too, because I mean, I'm technically a fitness model I take pictures of myself every Mm -hmm. single day I look in the mirror every Mm -hmm. single day and even like two years ago or even a year and a half I don't know probably two years ago I have I've been my mindset so so different (laughs) now but like I just remember I would look in the mirror and pick apart every part of my body that I wasn't happy with and now I truly can't imagine doing that ever mm-hmm. again because mm-hmm. it's just, it's not who I am. And it's, mm-hmm. it, you get to a place where, again, you're just so neutral with your body that like, mm-hmm. it's an extension of you, but it's not the most important thing. And exactly. if you take care of yourself, if you exercise regularly, if your energy is good, if you feel good in your own skin, it does sort of become irrelevant as mm-hmm. you get deeper and deeper into loving yourself and learning about like self-confidence and self-love. And Mm -hmm. I actually think on some level, confidence is also a choice, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's days where you're going to feel kind of (laughs) crappy, but you're going to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. You're going to show up anyways. Mm -hmm. And I, I love your definition of confidence. I think it's spot on. And I also think that kind of owning, like literally the first thing you said at the beginning of our podcast, like owning the fact that you're different, like, you might look different, you might sound different, whatever it is, like owning Mm -hmm. that is so freaking powerful. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who you just see on social media that just like is so like radically different and just fucking owns it. It's the most attractive, sexiest thing. (laughs) Oh, hell yes. I mean, that's why, I mean, I'll be honest, that's why I like to post bikini photos and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Because Mm -hmm. first of all, I work pretty hard for my body. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. second of all, I know how much women love to see other women feeling confident in their own skin, because it does truly inspire you to like own yourself. Like, no matter where you're at, no matter what you might look like on a day to day basis, like Mm -hmm. own what you got. Like, that's so important. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, absolutely. I think Izzo has done a really beautiful job at encouraging us to do that. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I do think that there's a lot of positives to like the body positive movement in general. I just think that there could be some more inclusivity, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, for, for a community that's supposedly so positive, like about your body, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it, like I, I would feel I would feel like there would be issues if I like made a post being like I'm part of the body positive movement you know Mm -hmm. and because of course like we are privileged in so many ways like what is the word that I'm looking for like a socially acceptable yeah yeah well it's just like we social norm you and I have a lot of privilege with our body of just being white being thin 
um, yep. typically fitting into most beauty standards. And like, the thing is, like, I could go online and post my body with rolls and cellulite, and I'm still going to be more accepted than if somebody in a larger body does it. Um, yep. So that's the type of privilege that I that I that I have. And I think the the important thing about body positivity, like I like to say the body love movement when we're talking about like just the negativity that can come into play. Because when I think of the body positive movement, I think a lot of the time we get away from realizing that that movement was created by black women to support those and to create justice for marginalized bodies. Now, then there's the body love community where it's like, just love your body. And and if you want to lose weight, you like they demonize losing weight or they demonize changing your body. And that's where things go wrong. Um, yeah. Just constantly like it's just a tug of war of like what's right and what's wrong. Um, and so uh, that's where it's like coming back to that balance and being able to educate ourselves on on the reason why the body positive community was and, and the movement was created. Um, right. And just kind of being able to factor that into everything that we do. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, I think I just actually listened to a different podcast on this mm-hmm. and how like able-bodied, like it was originally created by um, marginal marginalized communities. Is that the mm-hmm. word? Yes. Uh, marginalized communities, like people who do not have able bodies or people who've been in accidents, wheelchairs, um, minorities you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's a social media trend and I'm all here for body positivity but I think it's important to kind of like pay respect to that too Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah really remembering why it was created and the importance behind that and that's so important I think that again these things just aren't really talked about as much because Mm -hmm. it's hard to have those types of conversations publicly too I think like it is just kind of difficult. You don't want to like step on anyone's toes or like say the wrong thing. But I think it's important to talk about at least in um, in like an open conversation so that you can kind of like pay that respect, but also have understanding for what other people's opinions. I think that's really totally, important. totally. Yeah. And totally understand why it can feel like such an uncomfortable conversation. And I also think the important thing to remember is we're going to mess up and we're going to say the wrong thing. And and from there, that's when we have this beautiful opportunity to learn and to listen. Yeah, so true. Okay, I have one more question. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can talk about whatever if there's anything else. Um, so Perfect. obviously, you work with a lot of women in terms of body image and building self-confidence. So what is like one of the, or I guess I have two questions. Like what is one of the biggest like themes that you've seen in terms of like helping women with their body image? Like what do you think really helps over what, how long is your course? 12 weeks, 12 to. Um, no, women typically work with me for six to 12 months. Yeah. Oh, okay. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So what is kind of like the themes that you see and have you ever had a client that just wouldn't like you couldn't help? Because I I definitely have. And if Mm -hmm. so, like, why do you think that was? And kind of like, how would you recommend like, if people wanted to get started with you? Like what place in their life would would you want to work with someone in? Yeah, totally. Um, As far as themes go. So I see a lot of themes. I mean, if we're going to talk about what I see in terms of body image, um, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about something that might help feel people feel more normal. Um, or just normalize something that tends to happen. Um, I talk about this a lot with my clients when we're talking about our triggers. Um, And the things that I find the most common when it comes to triggering 
body negative body image is photos tends to be a very triggering thing of just like not liking the way that they look or feeling uncomfortable getting their photo Mm. taken shopping and getting dressed um especially because like I think sometimes we either put a lot of emphasis on the size or we just go to the mall and like there's just something about the mall mirrors like they're they're just like what are those mirrors (laughs) honestly they're awful I don't know anybody (laughs) who's like I love trying on clothes at the mall looking at myself (laughs) yeah so there's there's that whole thing and that just tends to be a very triggering experience and just trying to find something and we can blame our bodies instead of blaming the article of clothing or the stores or the fact that women's sizing is ever changing and not the same at any store at any store Um, (laughs) and then obviously the bedroom um and so those tend to be the most triggering and when it comes to our triggers I think it's important to identify okay I was feeling good and now all of a sudden I'm not feeling good what is the trigger here and not as a way to avoid it but as a way to be curious about okay what about this triggers it how can I explore this and how can I work through this and navigate this trigger so those are like some pretty common themes that I see throughout the work that I do As far as clients that I haven't been able to help, um, I think that the most important thing to consider and and to know for all of us is nobody's coming to save us. A coach isn't going to necessarily like change your life or or do the work for you. You are changing your life and somebody's helping you get there. You are doing the work and somebody's just showing you the steps to get there faster. And so when it comes to some of the people that I've worked with, there have been a few where it's not that I haven't been able to help them. It's that they don't want the help yet. And they think that they're ready and then they're not ready because what people don't realize is healing is a fucking, it's it's called work (gasps) for a reason. It is a fucking just journey man and it's not as as easy as we it's not just like this it's painted as this like you're gonna heal and your life is just gonna be fucking fantastic and it's just gonna be all rainbows and butterflies and it's it's deep work and it's it's hard and it's uncomfortable and you're invited to sit with yourself and look at things and look at your past and so my piece of advice to anybody is is really knowing that you're going to have to take radical responsibility for yourself and for your healing and you are the one changing your life and anytime like I'm working with clients and they're like oh my god like at toward the end when they're like thank you so much like you've changed my life and I'm like thank you for trusting in me to support you because you're the one who did the work and you're the one who changed your life yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And I completely agree. I mean, that's for anything in your mm-hmm. life that you want to do. Like, mm-hmm. you have to take responsibility. Like you can ask, I mean, you can ask for help as much as you want. But if you're not ready to make changes and get uncomfortable, you're mm-hmm. never really going to change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. Because if you are someone who's like, all right, I'm fed up with like, beating down on myself and constantly feeling negative and just not feeling good in my own skin. Mm -hmm. So you're not willing to kind of find the root of where that comes from. Like we just dug into where it came from for Devin, like Mm -hmm. growing up, feeling different, feeling isolated and now being like, screw that. I'm going to be myself. I don't care anymore. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that is so powerful and no, Mm -hmm. it's not easy to do. Um, but being able to recognize that and like asking for help is really, really amazing. So uh, obviously Devin is an incredible coach. If that's something that you're struggling with right now, 
Um, but Deb, is there anything else mm-hmm. you wanted to add? This was freaking awesome. This was amazing. This was a really great conversation. I knew as soon as Sarah was like, let's record a podcast. I'm like, fuck yes. When? Um, yeah, I knew it too. I just know how good you are at articulating yourself too. Devin is very good at writing and yeah, articulation and just being very clear and concise. You. And I think that's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. When Sarah and I lived together, I would always go into her room and be like, this is the new word of the day. <laughs> Dude, she reads. I cannot tell you how many books this girl has. Like, yeah, I'm I'm, like I strive to be like that one day. I want to be you <laughs> when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> no, but it's good because I love it again, about me. On, on social media, I think one of the hard things is like anyone can decide one day they want to be an influencer or they want to like coach people or whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. not a lot of people put so much work into like developing their themselves and developing their program to really change people's lives. And I can assure you guys that Devin has, because I've seen it. Thank you. Um, Of course. Of course. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Like it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And I also know that you guys will get a lot of value out of following her because again, I'm a fitness coach. I don't, I do I am a fitness coach and Mm -hmm. it's very it's different from what Devin does because she really does dive into the deeper reasoning behind these things which is why she does what she does and I do what I do Mm -hmm. and that's great um but it's also important to know where you're at in your life and your journey and if you consistently like struggle with body image or you you have a negative mindset around yourself or even around exercise and you're dreading it like there's something better for you I promise so. yeah, yeah yeah but Dev thank you so much for coming thank on you. her Instagram will be linked but it's uh Devin De Moretti mm-hmm. and her face and name will be on the cover of this so you can find it very easily um but yeah thank you so much and we'll catch you in the next one beautiful bye. thank you bye, bye.